Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this guy. And me! And me! <laughs> and me! The guy that doesn't remember anything anymore. Um, I, w- I had something. I was going to say, I look like that guy who you, um, that uncle you never met, um, that you just find out you want, got their house in a, on a will reading. Um, but then I just lost it. That's a good one, though. I don't mind that one. Actually, you're like Brewster. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You're Uncle Brewster, Jason I, I Smith. <laughs> you got this. Huzzah. Right, there, We're you the pod that tells you all about shows you love, and we want you to love. Yes, and plus we download you on the streaming wars, where to stream and what to stream. Right? It's, yes, that's right. So yeah. what are you watching? What are you stuck home and watching today, Cliff? I'll tell you. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you first before we get into the <laughs> Good Lord Bird, which is a, uh, a phenom. Uh, mm-hmm. I started watching Nurse Ratched. Oh, okay. On, Everybody's um, obsessed with Sarah Paulson right now. She's, she's the hotness on, uh, on the TV. L- listen, I mean, she's, she's a, uh, you know, she's one of those rare breaths of air. You know, she, she can do anything. She's so uptight and so non-sexual and then boom, sexual and, you know, not uptight. I mean, she can do anything. It's like literally she's a, a doctor, she's a lawyer, she's a nurse, she's a killer. What, what can't the woman do? She's a chef. She was a two-headed uh, circus performer, singer once. Remember? In what? In uh, American Horror Story. Oh, the circus you? one. Oh, the circus one. I didn't watch that one. I only oh, yeah. watched American know. Horror Story, Cult, and oh, okay. Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, she's not a two-headed performer in either of those. No, no. I was thinking maybe you meant Carnival, that, that short-lived Oh, HBO on Showtime. Show. Yeah, that, show, that, that show was great. Yeah, yeah, with uh, with the guy from uh, the Terminator, the, the the dude. I can't remember his name. Let's not do that. We're not doing that. So I have been watching that. But what I did get the pleasure of watching the first three episodes of, first of all, I wasn't aware that Good Lord Bird is a series because I didn't know Ethan Hawke was even going to commit to doing a series. Not only did this guy commit to doing this series, he wrote it with someone. He's a creator. It's based on a novel, but still about John Brown, the abolitionist. And uh-huh. it's like, uh, it's almost like if Quentin and Eli Roth made, you know, made, it's like, you know, uh, I want to say Quentin made a movie about slavery because he did. Right. <laughs> but it's got very Quentin vibes. Mm-hmm. It's got, um, it's got very um, old school horror vibes, you know, and uh, one of our guests today, by the way, is uh, someone who I know he DP'd one of your favorite movies, which is Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's DP'd a bunch of stuff, but well, yeah, but- all, almost all my heroes, like I'm just, I'm sitting here in awe of, uh, of him on that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. And, 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 and when you get people like this and people like our other guest, Amy Andrews, who is the costume designer for the show, who did a killer job on the show, by the way, it's just, ooh, we're going to get into out this. of control. Well, it is, yeah. it's out of control on so many levels because it's not just, you have, Costumes for costumes, you have costumes for characters, you have costumes to differentiate between the sides. You know, it's a very deep, deep thing, this show. And it's yep. not, it, it, it plays on the surface, but it, it goes much deeper. And I find like, even with Nurse Ratchet, it plays on the surface, but it goes deeper. Mm-hmm. Like, some, yeah. like deeper, like, and also if we can get the, the hairstylist from the Good Lord Bird, because I wouldn't mind somebody getting me this stuff shaved out so I can get a full Ethan Hawk. I thought Ethan uh, ripped you off. Well, he did, but like if you notice, Ethan has more of like the super long goatee, not just the he doesn't go full Santa. Mm-hmm. He goes kind of like he goes kind of like aggressive Santa, you know, like mm, 
aggressive, like well, Bad Santa. Yeah, like Bad Santa, like bad, like alternative not bad universe. Bad Santa too, because no, Bad no, Santa no, too is no, 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 yeah. shouldn't have been made. No, he's got he's got a he's got a good one, but he's got a he's got more of that. The sides are clean, and then this thing really grows long. I love it. I love it. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, uh, Ethan Hawke. It's like anything he does, pretty much. Whether it's uh, you know, he, I think he did small, something in the kid with Vincent D'Onofrio directed. Meanwhile, Vincent's in there and uh, Nurse Ratched, by the way. Uh, and uh, it, it's this thing where you're like, oh, okay, is this going to be another show about slavery, or is this going to be something different? And you know what it is? It's both. Yep. And it works on both levels. So without any further ado, let's bring on our guest, the DP of Good Lord Bird, Peter Deming, and the costume designer of Good Lord Bird, Amy Andrews, on Showtime. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. What's up? How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi. Hi, Amy. Hi, Peter. Thank you for being here. Um, are you both in LA? Neither. I'm in New York. Okay. Uh, Amy? And I'm in Virginia. <laughs> oh, okay. I spent some time in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, yeah, not that exciting. <laughs> It's the only place I know, really, other than the big places. Okay, so I said thank you for being here. I, I want to just jump into this because there's so much about this show. I mean, the show is great. So congratulations on everything. I, I don't read reviews, but my review is it's stellar. I've recommended it to 15 people already. And on top of it, how did you decide? Okay, so did you both read the book first or did you both get the script? Let's go Peter, Amy, when I ask questions. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Okay, good. Let's do it. Peter. That's a good way to go. <laughs> Uh, I, I did not have time to read the book. I sad to say. No, not uh, sad. I like, this is why I asked because it's very interesting how you make your decisions on the show. So please continue. Right. And, um, I mean, I think when we started prep, we had two, maybe two and a half scripts and the rest came in as we went along. Okay. Amy and, and yourself. Yes. Well, um, and I, had, I was lucky enough to get on quite early. So, the book was my only guide. It was my uh, talisman. I I referred to it all the time. And then even better than even having the book, later on we got the man, James McBride, the author, came. And when I would get stuck on, there's a lot of very particular points that we had to hit. And I could reach out to James to help me. I, was, I can't figure this out. And he would... Uh, you know, guide me to uh, figure out how to do the little story points. Yeah, well, we're going to get to the points that you have to hit because I want to. I do want to talk about that because it matters in story, it matters in palette, it matters in character. So, so, and how you guys are representing it. So, Peter, when you look at this show first, right, and you get the script, do you see in your mind that this is a horror movie? Because it really plays like a horror film in slavery. You know, they're, the, the, the gore and the fights and the battles, um, they're very tied to the narrative and the characters. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't really go so much horror as, as full-on Western, even though it's not really that either. I mean, it's, well, right. it's certainly a, it's set in that world, but it's not like, you know, plot-wise a typical Western story at all. But... No, I was just sort of treating it on its own and trying not to inject any other sort of genre into it, you know, because, um, you know, what Ethan was preparing to do, I sort of caught wind of in prep. And so... Um, what was he preparing to do? Well, I mean, the character is huge. It's a huge, you know, it's sort of... Um, Scary. He's got a lot of balls to play this character, I have to say. Yeah, and, it, you know, it does... It does 
oscillate, but a lot of the time he's very uh, in your face and that's just the way John Brown was. So um, yeah, yes. I mean, that, that's sort of the way I looked at it. Well, yeah, but in going forward, so, so Amy and you were there earlier on. So, so did you start looking at it and saying, this is going to be gory. This isn't exactly a Western. And how do you first decide on your color palette for this? Cause I'm seeing a lot of earth tones, seeing a lot of greens and browns. Well, I said earth tones. So, well, I wanted the um, palette, especially in the beginning, to um, leach up from the landscape, um, hmm. sort of in the way that I thought that um, Once Upon a Time in the Old West did. Um, I wanted a tactile uh, sensation when you looked at the people that it, you thought if you patted them on their shoulder, dust would fly out. And uh, you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I feel like I smell these people through the screen. It was, <laughs> it's one I of the first shows. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of the sensorama, right? It's one of the first yeah. shows that I've ever seen where I really feel like you guys nailed the dirt. <laughs> Thank no, but really, because and no one smelled good high back then. It's really hard. Um, you know, Peter can speak to the technical aspects of high def cleaning everything up. So I yes, knew we mm -hmm. had to be very dirty. Well, Peter, could you speak to that, the high-def aspects of cleaning well, it up? Well, I mean, was, um, there's a couple of things. You know, Albert Hughes, who directed the first two episodes, he was also on that page. Um, you know, as far as the, the costumes, you know, had to look worn in and dirty. People's faces had to be dirty. Their teeth, you know, under their nails. It's like these people were like living hand-to-mouth out in the in the dust. So that was a big part of it. And also we used, um, we found some really, really, really old lenses, uh, from Panama. Uh, they're, they're called B series anamorphics. I didn't even know they existed until we prepped this movie, this show. Like uh, the guy who shot twin peaks and scream and Hollywood shuffle and drag me to hell. Didn't know these lenses. No, they had, this is awesome. Know, I thought it was, the C's were the oldest, you know, the C's and the E's as everyone tries to use. And when we found out about the bees, we got pretty excited. And then they also had some uh, old French Pathé anamorphic lenses. Uh, How'd you dig those up? How does that happen? Like, how do you? Where, where are you at? Panavision in LA? Yeah, out in uh, Woodland Hills. And so they dusted them off and you know tuned them up a little bit, but they weren't really. I mean, they they had a lot of aberrations that you weren't going to be able to take out. And that's sort of why we like them. So we really embraced that. And then they were able to what they call expand it for, you know, large format. So we had, you know, and then I was prepared to use filtration, you know, if we needed it, but those lenses really, um, you know, knocked down the sort of over sharpness of digital capture. This is a fantastic find for me, just being like the fact that you can get, because it looks so much like film, what you're shooting here. It's more so than I've seen in a very long time. Um, I, I want to jump back for one second and ask this question. Well, I don't know if it's a question, but tell me the first second I'm watching this show. I see, you know, I'm like, okay, John Brown, he's an abolitionist. Like, how is this not a white savior show? You know, like uh, something not good. And then the first line of the show is, this is not some white savior bullshit and it goes into depth as to why and how did you guys are you guys dealing with this every day and you know even how you're shooting the characters or how you're dressing the characters is this going into every aspect uh peter then amy well i mean it is a little bit but it's also 
the heart of the story is Onion, and it's his really his story, you know. So in a way, John Brown's a supporting character, uh, even though you know, as a lead character, I wouldn't want John Brown to be my second because he's going <laughs> to steal every scene. But um, you know, because in in I think in uh, episode two, you know, Ethan's hardly in it at all. He just shows up at the end. Yeah, I noticed that. I was going to, he, he disappears. He says he's going off. Yeah. I thought he left the gang and then he comes back. Yes. And, and uh, Amy, the feather, is this something that was found from the beginning? Did you actually get a feather from the bird? Or is the that bird's a- been extinct for a very long time. And I used so to no. remember. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's been extinct. But they recreated it. I, you know, it was, it was the ivory billed wo- woodpecker. Um, that they called the good Lord bird. And they would say, you know, that people, when they saw it, good Lord, that's a pretty bird. So (laughs) that's what it, and so they had to recreate it um, because it plays as a character in the show. So the prop man, John Burt um, had a one reconstructed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then let me ask you this now you're, you're, you're getting set to shoot this pilot, right? And you weren't, I'm asking, were you picked up when you shot the pilot or are you just shooting a pilot at this point? It's a limited series. It was a, it was okay. always a unit and, and Blumhouse and Showtime had committed A to Z and Ethan brought it to them and it was, it was a done deal. Right. So you knew you were doing, was it eight episodes? It was. Yeah. And it now was? we have seven. <laughs> what happened? Peter? <laughs> well, yes, Peter. That, you know, they moved some things around, some things get shortened, and I think they just looked at the total running time of, of everything and said, well, we can put this into seven. You know, I don't know. We're, we're, we're not really around for posts, so we can't really answer those questions. Right, of course. Okay, so now you're getting ready to shoot this. Okay, so Peter, when you sit down with your team um, and you're sitting with Ethan and the creators, are you saying, okay, what is the color palette that was already set by Amy, our production designer? Or are you setting your own? No, no, no. I mean, Amy's setting her color palette and, you know, John Blackie, the production designer, setting his color palette. And it, it, part of the look of the show came out of um, actually before I even went on location, uh, David Atherton, the makeup designer, was doing tests on Ethan, and he had taken uh, some stills and he put the stills through some apps that he had mm. that sort of were you know made it look like a tin type or a daguerreotype old photo. And when Albert and I saw that, we sort of latched onto that. Mm-hmm. As a direction to go in, you know, not all the way there, but sort of a good way down the road towards that look, just to give it a sense of history, you know, and that you weren't just looking at, you know, actors in fabulous costumes on great sets, you know, in modern day. It just gave it, you know, some sort of authenticity to us. Well, to everyone, it has incredible authenticity. Uh, now, that being said, Amy, do you uh, have a color palette that you decided on? You know, as you started, you said you were on early. Are you working with the rest of the team? Are you developing something or how, how does this go? And is there ultimately a football that you guys are passing around of the color palette matching the set to your design? Well, it was Albert um, leading the way. Albert, he's directed the first two and he had a vision of um, a desaturated world. And um, 
And also was just kind of like Book of Eli, I wonder. He directed Book of Eli, right? This is of the Hughes brothers, Albert Hughes? Yeah, yeah. With his brother, yeah. So I, I see some similarities. Sorry, I'm gonna jump back to Peter for a second. Peter, I see some similarities to Book of Eli in the uh in the tone of the piece. Uh, anything to that? Um we never discussed it. You know, I think just maybe it's probably his uh what he gravitates towards too. I mean, that film was probably more extreme looks, very apocalyptic. So. Right. Well, there yeah. is an apocalyptic idea to this. I mean, you know, yeah. they're all ready to die for this. I mean, now does that go into, you know, this sort of martyrism? Does that go into how you're lighting it and how you're designing these costumes, Amy? So Peter and well, Amy. Oh, Amy, go ahead. Tell me, does it go into how you well, design it? Well, when I was thinking, when you were saying, is it a horror movie, these characters, are, but I thought of, every character as they came to us, we had to treat them as an individual and present them as a unique person that wanted to live out their life, even if John Brown cut it short or whatever happens. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to deal with it, um, the, each of the characters realistically, and then inject the little whimsy into it from time to time. <laughs> Okay. All right. That makes, that makes sense. And then you, you, where did you guys shoot this? Peter, where'd you shoot? Well, we were based in Richmond, but most of it was shot west of there. Um, a place lovingly known as State Farm, which was a huge piece of property owned by the Department of Corrections. Ooh. And they basically gave us carte blanche to use anything. I mean, there's been a bunch of shooting there in the past. So it's, you know, it's like our Parksville set, Part of it was there, part of it we built. So it's it's one of those sort of movie farms. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Peter, I'm going to ask you this, and then Amy, I'm going to ask you. So, Peter, do you have a, um, you know, is there any kind of a, a lighting, um, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, a lighting code to each character? Like, you know, John Williams will give a score to each character. I know some DPs and directors like to give a lighting code. And then, Amy, I'm going to ask you the same thing about clothes. I would say it's it was less a lighting code than a camera code. I mean, it was... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ethan's character, we, for a lot of the show, we dropped the camera, you know, depending on what was happening in the scene. And then, but, but it rose, it really centered around onion because uh, Albert came up with a scheme where um, since it was his story, we never shot over the shoulder onto him, you know, with someone in the foreground. Anytime we covered him, it was a clean shot. And then every, everyone else was covered sort of, you know, more conventionally. So you always sort of felt connected to Onion no matter what was happening in the scene. And there are a couple exceptions to that. You know, there's one where he's being threatened by this guy and, you know, it made sense to do that. And we also, you know, kept the camera high in the beginning of the show and it gradually comes down on Onion uh, as it gets later in the story. Oh, that's fascinating. So wait, you're, you're, you're talking about the, when he's uh, in the cage being grabbed by that guy and Bob saves him? Is that that over-the-shoulder shot? Yeah, yeah. I saw that, but I see yeah. you. Okay. All right, Amy, what, what, now you tell me what I just asked about your department. Is there well, a code? I, is there a costume code? I know everybody's got their own costumes, but is there a color theme that you go with each character, et cetera? I think the brown boys had a palette and had an individual... It wasn't so much a color. It was... Uh, they had their individual look. Uh, there was a character, John Jr., um, I imagined that he was kind of a college boy, even though he might not have been able to go to college. And there was a character, Salmon, 
played by Eller Coltrane. He was an outdoorsman. And so he had this little short jacket that um, might be, you know, he could put his fishing um, satchel over. And uh, Jason was kind of the poet. So I, and then there, maybe their colors followed that, you know, I think more than the colors dictating the other way around. So it was very much a, um, uh, organic character development. Well, that's fascinating too. Do you do that for all the things you work on? Do you write little bios for your characters that aren't necessarily attached to the rest of the script per se? Not as in depth as this and, um, Ethan and our showrunner, uh, and Ethan's co- uh, writer Mark Richard helped with the development of the boys, and I had to kind of switch some things around um, just to make it the because of who they cast to make them come more alive. But um, I think you always have to, uh, when you're dressing someone, uh, dress them from a point of view of who they are, you know, who they're playing, who even the, the, an extra, it has to be, who are they playing in this scene and to pump it up and, you know, make it interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Okay. Well, now wait, Peter, I want to ask you a question. This is not about a good Lord bird. It's just a personal question about, about Twin Peaks. Cause I just got to know, I'm sure you're sick of it, but I just got to know what the hell was Kyle McLaughlin doing? Why do we have a whole episode of him walking around, not talking at all? Like what happened? What did, what did you and David decide there? Could you just what tell me, please? I mean, if you're looking to me to answer any questions <laughs> for about David Lynch, come on. <laughs> I know. I just gave it a shot. It's not going to happen. It's not. <laughs> I knew it when I asked it, but I, I mean, figured if I knew I would tell you, but I, <laughs> he likes to just throw that just random questions right in the middle for no reason, just to see if he can get somebody off guard. No, no. I know our listeners will be upset if I didn't at least bring up Twin Peaks. You know, it's, it's a cult file, you know, it's one of those things. Okay. I digress. There's my digression for the day. Please excuse me. Okay. So, so for the day, to, Oh, I see what you're doing now. So going into this now, knowing it's a limited series and knowing that anyone's up for grabs, right? Um, how are you building the world, right? So how are you building each? And when I say the world, I say the world of John Brown, the world of onion, and then the world of overall this this entire series does that make sense or no is it too vague no it makes sense i mean okay. it, the the good thing about the structure of the shooting i think for probably both of us was that we did everything in sequence so you know since since episode eight wasn't written yet we couldn't you know shoot any of that in the beginning and as as the story was laid out anyway they the locations sort of change and they never really go back to where they were in the beginning. So that, that was really helpful, I think for, you know, the progression of the style from episode to episode, you know? Yeah. But I feel like even when we were in the first episode and then we go to Rochester, it feels like the whole color changed. Yeah. When we went up North. And it's also, you know, just uh, keeping it realistically moody, you know, it's sort of like that, like the, the very opening scene in Dutch Henry's, I mean, it's like you have those bright windows and you come in and it's sort of hard to see. And so we wanted to sort of maintain a little mystery uh, whenever possible. Makes sense. Aim? And in Rochester, we wanted Onion's eyes to blow up. You know, he had never seen anything like that. I wanted the all the people to be dressed um, to the nines and him to see this resplendent 
um, place that he had never seen before. And um, so, yeah, the colors were richer. And then when um, we meet Frederick Douglass, he is um, in uh, his vests. Are yeah, how do you decide that costume? Gold. That was my next uh, question. How do you well, decide the opening Daheed, for Frederick Douglass? You know, I Douglas. had to uh, step it up. Uh, you know, he had played... Uh, um, Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton. So I had a lot to live up to. And um, he was so a tour was, de force. I mean, yeah, he comes on screen it, right? and it's just, everything starts popping and you're like, Oh wait, Frederick Douglass was that, you know, glittery. <laughs> like, he was awesome. Yeah, well, Frederick Douglass, like um, I w- has had his photo taken more than any one of his era. And it was oh, very important to him. And so there was a whole book about, um, the photo and the where he was and and um, the moment in time for the photo. So I had a lot of research. He's very easy and fun to research, and so it was a lot of fun to pick out the the colors for the vests, and we got to make everything he uh, wore. So it was a lot of fun. Okay, so now I'm going to ask this question. So first to you, Peter. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking to Dante Spinotti, and I asked him, uh, you know, what's with you know the, Michael Mann. You know, what's his thing, right? He's like, oh, Michael Mann is all, I, I is blue light and smoke. That's all I do. I, I blue light and smoke. He wants so much smoke. And then I blast blue light. I don't do accents, but that's how he sounded to me. So I'm wondering, Peter, is there anything that you have, like a Dante Spinotti, certain tricks or things you use, not tricks because they're learned art, but little ideas that you have that make, because all your looks have some continuity to them in, in your movies. They really do. Uh, that's a tough question. I don't know. I mean, I try to approach each project differently, you know, and certainly I'm sure I'm guilty of, you know, falling back on things that I've done, but hopefully that's not what I mean. Let me be clear, but let me be clear, Peter. It's not you falling back on what you've done. It's finding things that you use that work that are, are things that are just your signature. That's what I really want to say. Do you have a certain signature of certain moves that you like to use if you can? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think in, in some of the stuff with Mr. Lynch and, you know, some of the, you know, I did a, a when I first met Albert um, and his brother, we did a movie called From Hell. And I sort of gravitate to really dark. You know, I love doing really dark. And so um, maybe it's just that simple as that, you know. That sounds good. So no, no blue smoke and, and light and, you know, no, I'm not no, no light, and, um, you know, blue light and smoke. you know what I mean though? I saw you yeah, laugh. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So Amy, to you then, I had the privilege of talking to, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with her, Marilyn Vance striker. She designed pretty woman. And so she told me when the dress in pretty woman, that everything revolved around her making that dress, you know, was there something in this show where everything revolved around one piece where you knew the rest of it would branch out from? Well, Un- the dresses that Onion, the series of dresses that Onion goes through and the evolution of his um, character um, being reflected in the dress that he's wearing from episode to episode. So that was really an excite when I read it and um, I got the chance to, you know, get this job. I was like, wow, this is going to be a really exciting um, thing to do. And you start show. sketching that right away? Because you're designing all these costumes, correct? Yes. Yes. We built them all and we had to build them in many multiples because of the sometime the first dress goes through at least four stages of decomposition. And then he has a writing double and a photo double and a um, stunt double. So 
uh, yeah, they're all sketched, built, uh, uh, laboriously sewn. Um, and then aged, the aging, um, lovingly aged. Lovingly. What's the aging process real fast? Uh, well, um, Drag it around outside. Right? Yeah, I was waiting for that. Come on, give it to me. Feeding it on the wall, but um, oh, sandpaper, that. paint, airbrushing, um, oh. sometimes real mud. And then, so as I said, put the real mud on it so that we can see what it does. And then we have to replicate it so it stays on there. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Okay. So I know we're running short on time. I want to ask you a question, Peter, about, cause you were talking about the, the moves on um, onion and we talked about that handheld move. There was one in, I, I believe it was the third episode with Frederick Douglass where they're on the couch. It's a very intimate moment. How do you go about planning your shots for that? Because you're giving this almost foreboding moment of like, is he going to hit on him, her or is, you know, and, and he doesn't, but there's the moment. And I saw you moving the camera to get that. So tell me what happens. Or, or am I crazy? I mean, no, I don't know. I mean, that was one of the times we broke the rule because he was being rather predatory. And he but, was right. Well, the, that's the great. I mean, your reaction uh, is sort of validates the way David played that scene because it was really it could have gone south at any moment. You know? Yes, and he pulled it back right before. Yeah, and it was sort of ambiguous the way he played it. You know, was he drunk? Did he really mean it? Um, and I think it it was very effective and, and uh, avoided uh, anything creepy. Right, but were you all handheld in there? No, no, no. That was all. Uh, in fact, um, I'm not sure we did any handheld. No, we did do some handheld. We didn't do mm -hmm. any steady cam. There was no steady cam in the show. Just uh, none in the whole show. Dollies. Yeah, no steady cam. And that was a, that was a sort of a you know a dogmatic thing that Albert came up with. Uh, you know. To, it really gives it a style of old Hollywood, you know. As soon as you go on a Steadicam, whether people realize it or not, I think subconsciously it becomes modern right away. Right. There's an immediate modernization based on the move, even if you're not realizing that you're seeing right. a Steadicam. So are you shooting on horseback? No. No, we were... Um, <laughs> no one's shooting on horseback? No, we had you know, <laughs> cranes and, you know hotheads and you know all that stuff but it was uh it was okay. pretty old school in terms of camera support yeah it seems like it like like a leone film yes you know, like, it feels like you, you you got all the tenants of it so i so, would appreciate that reference well, well it's yeah. it's there you see it you know it's like an almost like an homage he took you know you guys have your own style that you brought to right. it but right. you can see the spaghetti western homage in it especially no that's something we discussed yeah yeah, especially with the opening of uh, Once Upon a Time in the Old West with Bronson. He's like, you brought one too many horses. You know, like that moment, I feel like you've captured the tone of that through the whole, you know, movie. Right. From, right. So, movie. You see, that's what it is. It's like a big, long movie to me, this. It's, it's not. Long. It is a big, long movie. Yeah, it's very, very, very cinematic. Was that also something you went into, uh, Amy, uh, as well, uh, in the costumes? Going, like, this is going to be old school cinematic when we approach this and dress this. An epic, yes. Um, the detail oriented, um, we, you know, we were given uh, enough support that we were able to accomplish, you know, what we really wanted to do, where all the characters had their bells and every whistles and buttons. Oh, my God, I spent the whole show uh, oh, um, procuring buttons. buttons. <laughs> I mean, that's um, insane, yeah. the buttons. <laughs> and okay so okay i want to ask you peter uh the shot of pie 
when she first comes down the stairs and Steve Zahn sees her and we get to see her. I mean, you gave this really ancillary character for all intents and purposes, a movie star entrance. Was this a decided shot as she came down the stairs? Or oh, for sure. You know, that's it's sort of Onion's first crush. So, yes. you know, it had to sort of, it's uh, one of his journeys to manhood, you know, is to be spurned by someone he had his crush on. And, you know, to me, what the sort of the humor of the show is then he has a conversation with Steve Zahn on the balcony where he has one of my favorite lines where he says, what kind of whore wants to stay being a whore? You <laughs> it's know, one of the best lines. I love that. It's really the only way Steve can deliver it, you yeah, know, it's just sort of. Hysterical. Steve can say anything and it's like it doesn't even it doesn't matter if it's off color it's just funny and you're like okay he's the best, yeah. he's the best. <laughs> and and you did see the sort of ambiguity in his character he was torn hey, yes yeah. hey. you have any more uh, questions you want to have anything lastly you want to ask because this I means know, the red I mean, light is uh, here I just wanted to thank you guys this 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 show is really really good um, something special guys and, and I, I admit like this is not the show type of show generally I go for. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and, and so I kind of was like, like, uh, like, uh, uh, Cliff was saying, um, thought it was going to be one thing. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, Jesus, why did I wait three episodes? Like I've, <laughs> my last three weeks could have been a lot more fun and yeah. a lot more interesting if I just given this a chance from the, from the jump. And, uh, I, I've been, I've been recommending it to everybody also, um, showtime streaming on uh, showtime anytime, but also every Sunday night, right? Every Sunday, Sunday night at nine. Yeah. Sunday yeah. night at nine. I love the it. New ones. I'm so glad Lord it's there. Uh, now I, you know, yes. uh, it's, it's, it's a really great show. And I just, uh, I, I can't thank you guys enough for making this thing beautiful as it is like how, you know, part of what makes it so great is the stuff that you guys are doing to, uh, to really Amen. affect the scenes. Amen. And thank you so much for being here, Peter, Amy, this, I, I can thank honestly, you. I say this all the time, but I really could talk to you for at least another half hour. So thank you so much. And whatever you're working on next, please come back and talk to us because you guys are awesome. Great. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you guys. so much, Peter. And Amy Andrews Hill. Yeah. What an awesome show. Yeah. Like, I mean, and they've done so such good. cool stuff. I mean, this is, this is one of many things that they both have done. Amy's, you know, did the little women, um, you know, oh, I know little, I mean, first of all, did you look at her resume? I mean, oh, it's incredible. Oscars, Emmys, it's, this is a team that Ethan and, and the Hughes guy, Albert Hughes and all that, they put together something. And, and by the way, Ethan wrote this. I bet that, uh, the guy who wrote it with, let's not get into it, but, uh, we'll look it up after the James show. James McBride. Uh, the author. Do you mean the novelist? No, not the author, not the, not the novelist. The, the guy, uh, Ethan oh, wrote it. Yeah, the pilot with. But anyway, we're not going to digress into that. But they, they did such an interesting job because, again, this could have just been that show where you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to. But Ethan Hawke, man, Jesus. Oh, this no, they did a great job. And I, I got to say, Peter, like working with uh, between Ramey and Lynch, man, like every uh, every boy in the 90s <laughs> dream. Like if I tell Dylan and everybody. Wes that, Craven, Ramey, yeah. Lynch. Yeah. I mean, you know, plus Robert Towns. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You get these people together, like Peter, like Amy. You know, it's You're hard. To, magic. You're yeah, it's hard magic. to fuck up. Yep. Like even if you if you have a bad thing, it's still better. Oh, than trust this. me, I could fuck all this up. I could bring all these people into the room. I could make a mess. I could make a bowl of soup. Uh, <laughs> no, you that, couldn't because they wouldn't saying, let you. They, they wouldn't let, me, let huh? you. No, they're too good. They'd turn at it what into they steak. Yeah, well, they would. They would at least turn it into burger. <laughs> you know, hamburger helper at least. I mean, you know, depending. I'm a, on I'm a sucker for some cheeseburger macaroni, especially if David Lynch and uh, and Peter and Amy uh, direct it. Yeah, if you gave him uh, dead rat, 
<laughs> then you know uh, they might make hamburger helper it's amazing that's what oh, i'm saying so, so so anyway i really cannot recommend this show enough good lord bird showtime yeah. and uh just watch it because it's not your typical you yeah. know uh white person guilt show about slavery it's not a white savior show it's just across the board interesting yeah. points of view uh, gender reversals, everything is is being touched upon right. here. And by the way, it's all based on truth, re yeah. real solid truth. And, and oh, read yeah. the book by James McBride. It's 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 absolutely amazing. Yeah. And speaking of uh, you know, comforting my what I call my good lord bird, um, I'm wearing my Meundies today. <laughs> Your good lord bird. Yeah, I call him my good lord bird now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know. This I, uh, is the time when we talk about me undies. This is the time where we talk about me undies. Right. Go. So, okay. Well, I'm just saying. No, no. I, no, no, <laughs> no. Oh, you going? Go, go, go. No, no. Talk about me undies. I was just saying, me undies, like, uh, me undies. we had a, we, I got the big batch out of the, um, you got a new pack, but I, I, I just got the, I just got the hot and fresh out the oven, like, like out of the oh, dryer, out, the dryer? Kind, <laughs> out of the dryer kind. And I yes. got to say, oh, it's so nice. It's so nice. It's so yeah. nice. Right. I, I, I Okay, so I just want you to know that I don't know where my onesie went, but after this, because I can't find it, and, which is weird because we're quarantined. So I just want you to know I'm buying another one when we. You know what I want to believe that I I want to believe that your son took it, wore it, took it out of the house, and like is leaving them places because he's just like he's sharing them. Like people are stealing the meundies. No, I think he took onesies. it. He's wearing it, and only when I'm not around. So like yeah. if I knock on the door, he's like, one second, like, one second. Oh, he's dad! Like, What's like up, he's dad? like he's like no, I just masturbated, and I swear. Um, my son does not masturbate. <laughs> no, I just like you know what I mean. He's like he's saying he's masturbating instead of admitting that he's wearing the onesie. It's like no, no, I swear yeah. I wasn't wearing I was just the onesie. Off. I was just jerking off. <laughs> right. So, by the way, okay. So me undies, right? And yeah, the yeah. Thing, sustainable beachwood sustainable. trees. And one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot, but is really really cool about the me undies, is um, they have a membership program. Right. Yes. You can subscribe. Right. And, and, and they'll just send you underwear every month. They'll send you like you get random stuff. You get the flames, you get the, you know, whatever, like every, you get like every two pairs of underwear, a pair of socks, yeah. you know, it, like two pairs of socks. Like this time, cause I'm on the membership. I got two new pairs of underwear and uh, two new socks. I told you I got those baby Royal Dodger blue Dodgers mm -hmm. go Dodgers. Uh, is it really the world series though? Anyway, the Dodgers blue socks. I got the red. And then here's what happens. What's so great about this. It's like 20 bucks for the membership and, and you're just getting stuff. By the time uh, three months, four months is gone, half a year, you have a full supply. It's you don't like even know a, what to do. It's like Christmas for your good Lord bird. Christmas for your good Lord bird. So where do we get it, Jason? So you get it at star, uh, you get it, <laughs> you get it at meundies.com, offer code stuck. That's uh, meundies.com, offer code stuck. Put it in there. Everybody first sign up, you're going to get 15% off. Get the membership. Take care of your good Lord bird and uh, enjoy yourself. Or your good lady bird. You're a good ladybird. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, it's, it works on ladybirds. They have both. It has, it has, it has, yeah. And then on your feet, on uh, it is, and they have t-shirts and they have, they have pants that you'll never leave the house again. And even if you want, it, you, you, you know what? And I was thinking about this, so, you know, talk about Twin Peaks. There's that guy, that, that character that just lived inside his house and wouldn't leave that agoraphobic guy. Mm -hmm. He, if he just wore the MeUndies pants, he probably wouldn't end up dead because he wouldn't Think have gotten involved with any of this shit. Think how good MeUndies Laura Palmer, yeah. Back then. Back off. Oh, so oh, soft. I know. They, so, they waited too long to come up with this. All right, I'm in the red room. All right. <laughs> MeUndies, sustainable beechwood trees, MeUndies.com, offer code stuck. You want to talk about some news? You want to talk about some yeah, news? Yeah, I love talking right. about news. I got some news. What's so first got? up, 
I want. I got a question for you. So Disney oh. Plus has ordered a Willow sequel from uh, John Chu, um, and with uh, with uh, Warwick Davis returning. Warwick Davis, as we know, is he was in this. He was also Wicket in uh, in uh, Return of the it. Jedi. He also has a role as one of the the, the elves in uh, Harry Potter. He's a uh, Kind of known for the sci-fi stuff. He's Willow, isn't he's he? Willow. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Willow. Yeah, he's Willow. I'm probably. I mean, I've seen that movie so many times. Is Ron Howard directing? Um, it looks like John Chu is. John it, M. Chu was John M. Chu always who directed Willow for some reason. No, I thought, no, yeah. no. I, I, I think that was. Lu- I mean, Lucas didn't direct it, but um, no, we'll get into Ron that Howard. part of it. Yeah, we'll but yeah, what anyway. do you think of this? Like. For me, this is one of those ones, you know, You, I, I remember it well. I almost remember that they had a uh, an arcade game about it. Mm-hmm. I remember it to a point because I was a huge Val Kilmer fan. I still am, obviously. Um, but you, you've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot, yes. Um, well, what I think is this. I'm kind of torn because, first of all, you got the original cast, or at least, you know, Willow back. Second of all, it was such a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, multiple times I watched this movie. And it makes me excited. But the other side of it is this, where we're getting into what we talked about with Dexter and what we talked about, like, are we just out of ideas? Mm -hmm. Like Disney, man, like you already have a captive audience with streamers. Like you don't have to have titles that are just all name recognition, do we? Right. Right. Well, I almost would say that this is an old, a movie that was, is what? 1988. So we're talking 30 years old, right? 40, 30 years old. Yeah. 30 years old. 32 years old. 32. If you really want to do it, like, I don't know that you need to make a sequel of it. If you want to make a remake of it and then make that into a series or do something separate, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's a sequel. It's It's not a a series. It's a sequel series. It's both things. It is both a sequel and a series. Are you messing around? No, I'm serious. That's what what it's called. Disney plus, or this, I'm going to read this straight out of the, off the, off the wire. Disney plus orders Willow sequel series. From John Chu with Warwick Davis returning. So that means this is like this is like Man- Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I wanted to call it the Mandalier, like a somehow like part Rocketeer, part Mandalorian. Yes, um, it was Ron Howard and George Lucas. Ron Howard, yeah, Ro- George was. Lucas wrote and yep. produced. Go on. Yep. So this is a this is going to be a series like the Mandalorian. It's going to be a sequel to this movie, um, kind of like Last Cri- Dark Crystal was a prequel series to the movie Dark the Dark Crystal. Like, what does it mean? This is it like get, a certain amount of episodes and then yeah. it's finite? Like it's a limited series? Well, that's the whole thing. I, I believe that any of these things are always limited series till they're they're uh they're renewed. Well, um I believe that, that about Good Lord Bird. Yep. Absolutely. I think that shows over when it's over. Ethan Hawk does movies. Yeah, I, I mean I, and I think these are these are the things, these are the differences. Um and I've read this about Disney and and we can get into Disney a little bit more. They're in the franchise business 100%. HBO yes. and Showtime are not. They're in the, they seem to be more into this limited run stuff. They're really have, finding success in the limited run series where it's always a kind of a preset uh, destination, which I think is incredible also. Um, I, I, the only reason I like the limited run a lot is because we have a finite end. You know, mm-hmm. like there's not, as David kept told us, the big stall. Right. Well, that's what I'm loving about it. I mean, yes. You you look at you look at uh you know you look at uh, Lovecraft Country with just ended ended at the end where the book ends. It's over, right? It's over for all intents and purposes. They are looking at trying to do a sequel. They are talking about how, what to do with it and like what a the second season season would potentially mm-hmm. be. However, I'm perfectly happy with that because they've gotten through everything. You know the the American God series on Stars would be an example of a. Is that canceled? No, they're Thank putting God. another season out. Oh, good. Uh, um, you know Brian Fuller got quit after like halfway through the second season 
Um, so it's a new director and a new kind of showrunner. But um, Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller is the guy that did the first season. He's he's responsible for some of my favorite TV. He did uh, uh, he did uh, Hannibal. He did uh, the Star Trek Discovery reboot. You love Hannibal. I love Hannibal. Yeah. I think it's one, one of, of your the better, favorites. One of, what's one of the best shows that's kind ever been series. on series. Let's be clear. Yeah, the series. It's one of the best shows that I, as far as I'm concerned, that has been on, uh, you know, standard broadcast TV. Like that's a show that you'd normally see on AMC. You wouldn't that's see a show like that on, on NBC like that. That's probably the most out there NBC show since Twin Peaks, as far as I'm concerned. So he was the EP, you know, director showrunner uh, mm-hmm. for the, first season of American Gods. Oh, well, that makes sense now why the second season was not nearly as good. I mean, exactly- I really want a third season, but the difference between the first season and the second season was just, and, and by the way, it could have ended at the first season too. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, the thing about that one, and that's why I was kind of talking about this and Good Lord Bird and, um, and Lovecraft Country, American Gods, they didn't get through the whole book. They added more scenes and they got to about one third through the book in the series in the, at, by the end of the first season, right? They still hadn't finished the book. What I love about these shows that Showtime and HBO are doing is they're not trying to milk the story for more. They're, they're doing the whole thing. Watchmen, you know, for all intents and purposes, wasn't a comic, but they told you the whole story. They can add more seasons. They can add more chapters. They could add a sequel, but it's not trying to emulate that whole, like extend it artificially. I listen. I I agree with everything you're saying, and going back to the Willow thing. So I don't know what it means—a series, a sequel series. Uh, you know, I mean, is there another example of this? It, let's see. You know, I don't want to get caught up in it, but yeah, I, yeah. yeah. The, Besides, you know, like the Mandalorian, you could look at. Um, you could look at. You know, like I said, there's the Dark Crystal. You could look at a lot of shows that have come out that it's like that is the sequel show, series, the sequel series to the movie. You know, uh, you well, know. Just that, wait. Sorry to interrupt, but isn't that basically what Nurse Ratchet is? Yes, absolutely. Series? That's a sequel series or a prequel series. Right. A prequel series. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Ratchet is be the exact same thing. If they extended that long enough, uh, Bates Motel would be an example. Okay. Now I get it. Okay. So what do I think about it? I think, you know, I'm excited for it. Um, mm-hmm. It's again, it's not something even being a huge fan of Willow. Uh, it's not something that's going to make me, you know, subscribe to Disney right. because of it. Um, now, you know, if you told me you were making Time Bandits, the uh, with Terry Gilliam directing as a series, right? Uh, I'm buying Disney all Baron day long. Von Muchas in the series, yes. uh, which I would watch in a second. I'm buying Disney all day long if you make yeah. that. I mean, and especially if Terry Gilliam has anything to do with it, yeah. Because Time Bandits, are you kidding? George Harrison, I mean, come on, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that it, what's interesting about it is, um, it's a little bit of a who's it for thing, like most hmm. kids probably haven't seen Willow. Like I'm willing to bet that unless you're right. you you're, you're really geeky and really into it, like you're not showing your kid Willow of all the things that you're showing. There's probably plenty of fantasy right now at this point that you can you can avoid that one without a lot of like it, not even on purpose. It's just like oh yeah, Willow. I forgot about that. Like yeah. I haven't thought about Willow in a long time. Me either. Like I think about a lot of stuff. I think not about Willow. I think almost every day about like what do I do if I had Spider-Man powers. But I seldom think about Willow or the dark, uh, the Black Cauldron. I don't think about that one, that that cartoon from uh, Disney that got PG. I don't think about him, but I, I, I enjoyed him at the time. Well, there's no real, uh, you know, uh, what was the other show you just brought up? The, uh, the Black Cauldron? No, no, before that. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it my Spider-Man what, powers. Oh yeah, uh, well the Spider-Man powers. But what I'm saying is that there's something like Willow is not that that movie where there was this superpower and this. You know, yeah, there were worlds. It was a little Lord of the Ringsy, but you know, there's nothing to really rest on. It was more of an adventure quest. It was. It was an adventure quest that didn't seem to have the backstory. Didn't seem as important. Right. No. You, you had a world and it was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't so realized that it felt like you were missing out on like, oh, I want I wish I could follow around this orc for the rest of the show, you know, and see what, <laughs> what's going on in that world. Yes, you're absolutely right. So, so I mean, listen, I, I think it's a uh, it's a it's a nice shot. You know, I mean, it could be good, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not something that's like, you know. Pumping my nads. Pop of my nads. Not it, it's not a it's not softening your good lord bird. It's not, um, it is not. Well, it's not hardening my good lord bird. That's it. That's yeah. it. it. Um then um moving on. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh let's see what else is going on. Um Kelly Quaco has a new sh- series coming out. I wanted to play the 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 um the preview for. Have you what, seen Are we allowed stuff? to? We're going to get yeah, shut for off. The flight attendant. Silly yeah, preview. yeah, yeah, why not? Um, it's on Please HBO Max and they off. love us. So I wanted to share this with you see what you thought of it. Oh, it's on uh, HBO Max, so it might be good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me uh, let me share this with you and see if we can. Okay, because I'm glad because what you're telling me now is it's not a sitcom. Nope. <laughs> Ooh, she looks hot. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for flying with us. I love her. She's so I good. See. I'm an Alex on the plane. Hi. Hi. Hey. She's a first class stewardess. <laughs> We're already doing it. We now had her back on the sights. We went back to his hotel. Very rich. Oh, the There's no escape. Basically, she's woke up in a room after a one-night stand in some foreign country with blood on her hands. He was so alive. I think they know you're lying. Okay, it's a nice twist on that. He's a ghost. Anything about it? Because I'm the best friend, so I have to ask. Why you the people it up? who did you? I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I can't stop thinking how that guy in Greasy died. The flight attendant. She knows more than she's saying. The FBI wanted information about you. I'm gonna keep digging. Do not do anything stupid. Did you bring me to Three C's funeral? Oh. You were a suspect before, you sure as hell are now. How many drinks have you had today? I'm a crazy drunk flight attendant. Not mm-hmm. Rosie Perez. What did you get me involved with? I feel like I'm losing my mind. How do you think you're getting away with any of this? Oh, God. No I gotta say, it's uh, at first time. Okay, first I see it, and I'm like, oh, it's the old woke up in a dead person's, you know, in a bed, and the guy's dead, and you don't remember what happened. Jeff Bridges did it. Everyone's done it. Uh, Then the ghost appears, and it's Kelly Cuoco, who's funny as hell and really good. Um, So it's a nice twist on it. I I really do not like that uh, actor who's playing her psychiatrist from Uh Girls. Oh, oh yeah, I Kazan. know. Who you're about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her. I, I just. Zaya, I think, is her yeah, name. Yeah, she's so unnatural to me. Like everything she does, I get pulled out of scenes. That being said, um, this looks really good. It's from the people who did you. Yeah, Greg Berlanti and uh, Sarah Schuster. Um, uh, Schechter. Schechter. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know her actually. I've pitched to her. They're yeah. smart. They're smart over there. They they do good TV. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems really interesting. I mean, they're billing it kind of as a a thriller comedy. In its own way, and you can see where the dark comedy probably fills in on this thing. And uh, 
Well, no, that's I'm, the only thing that brought me in, to be honest. The fact that it's kind of funny. Yep. Tongue in cheek. They're not taking themselves too seriously, but it's all rated. Yep. And I, I like what they do. I mean, even you had a little bit of a sense of humor for considering the kind of dark oh, it was. Like, you can be dark and have murder. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they, they think this has got... I, I, I'm think? interested in... You know what? Here's the, here's the deal. Between Showtime and HBO, um, I'm willing to give pretty much anything they do a chance. Um, there's Agreed. not... Like, if this was coming out on Peacock, you probably wouldn't see me... Uh, no, but it couldn't be a good a show, you know, as right. good a show if it came out on Peacock because it's censored. Yep. Right. But now, now Peacock, do they have to censor? They can make original stuff that's not censored. Yeah, they're but they rent, can't you know, air it if, on NBC. They just can't air it on NBC. But you, you know, if you, the, I think like the first scene of that Brave New World show is boobs. There's like, it's, yeah. So I they, mean, I, but they're not airing that on NBC, correct? No, 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 no. That's all just originals. Okay. But, you know, with HBO Max stuff, um, and I think this is like a HBO Max exclusive. They're starting to really pull those things out where they're, they're exclusive to HBO and Max and aren't necessarily showing on HBO anymore. I think they're seeing some success there. Well, I wonder if it's a show that was uh, actually made and developed by HBO Max because they're doing better and better stuff. Well, I, and, I and I think, you know, and I'd have we'd have to talk to somebody who really knows. Like We will. We'll have someone on from the show. There will be, well, well, I mean, in, at HBO in general, I would be willing to guess a lot of these shows were geared towards HBO only at a certain point. And as this uh, quarantine has evolved and how HBO is looking at streaming has evolved, I'm sure some of these things were, that's kind of a, a an option you have now, right? You can almost like, just like you have like the, in theatrical, the streaming VOD back in the day, you had the, what we call the B movie that would just end up uh, straight to straight to DVD, straight to video cassette. Yeah. You have options now. Like, that oh, you, you didn't, didn't have, go to the theater. Yeah. You didn't necessarily you didn't like make it. Not everything makes it to theater. That doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. It probably means it's not quite no, the budget did. that you're expecting. It to did. Do. It did mean it was bad. I mean, that's what come it used on. to mean. Kickboxer two, uh, yeah. <laughs> Kickboxer one, Bloodsport. <laughs> come on. Bloodsport went to the theaters. Did the it? No Bloodsport. Yes, it no was. Way. So was Jim Cotta. Both oh, of them were in the theaters. A hundred percent. I saw Bloodsport in the theater. Jim Cotta was not. Look, well, we're not getting into this, but it was. <laughs> no, I just, I'm not saying it like I disbelieve you. It's just more, I'm in disbelief. Well, yeah, but th you got to remember the timing. It wasn't like there was all these martial arts movies coming out. Right. You know, this is like uh, early 80s, mid 80s. Yeah, I figured you know? Cyborg was the first one that that uh, that I remember seeing of a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie actually showing up on a, on a theatrical release. But that's Wait, just so me. I'm sorry, I don't want to ask a question that can't be answered, but uh, let's find out when that's coming out. And uh, let's definitely, hey, Scott Porch, that's, get someone on the show. That's for November us. 26th. That was, uh, that's in there. So, yeah, it's coming out um, at the end of the next month. So, it's definitely it a good show. Uh, you motherfucker. Um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Kelly Cuoco's new show. So, Scott, please get us someone from that show on uh, because I, I would like to have a conversation about it. It looks really interesting. It's called and Flight Attendant. I thought so. So, I just want to make sure. See, you got to see the poster, man. Anyone who's trying to make a show, before you do anything, think of your title and think of the poster. Because if an executive can't see it, they're just going to glaze over and think about yep. that call sheet and where they're having lunch. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on from that, I do want to see that, though. Yeah. Um, and I think we maybe we can. Uh, we can talk content tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to get into the vow and do all that for, or later in the week. But I, yeah. I wanted to bring up one last thing because I, I thought this was interesting and thought what you thought. Uh, you know who Steve Urkel is, right? Jaleel course, White. Family Matters. From uh, Family Matters. Um, he just came out with a podcast called Ever After with Jaleel White. Has nothing to do with Starburns, though I would welcome him to come over and do it. Hmm. But he is actually having conversations with formal child stars. So he's got one with Kiki Palmer, Haley Joel Osment, Raven, Raven Simone. Um, Seth Green's going to be on there. Melissa Joan Hart, Maya Bialik. I just thought it wanted to, you know, well, it's a really awesome. interesting. 
it's it's a really interesting show. I was just curious, you know, you you know some not not specifically these people, but you've you've been around and 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 work with child stars. Like yeah. how in general, like former child stars, do you see them being for the most part fairly? Yeah, <laughs> for no, normal, normal like. Like I'm um, friends with uh, Soleil Moonfry. Uh-huh. Soleil is one of the nicest, sweetest, most uh, you know, well, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Yeah, thank you. I was saying arranged, well-adjusted human being. She's got a happy marriage. She's got a bunch of kids. She's always traveling. She's still working, and could not be a nicer soul and and more on point, you know. And I've got many, many examples like this of people I know have been acting since they're kids, mm-hmm. and it's not the case, you know. It's about raising. But what you mean? Like when you say raising, it's just about like having everybody that's still part of it, uh, engaged, parents, all that fun stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's about how your parents raise you, whether you're a star or you're not a star. It's it's about how you're raised, the values you're taught and instilled in, you know, that are instilled in you from the beginning. And and if you have good parents and they didn't let you run wild or start working for you or whatever, then you're not going to have the same problems. You know, the problem exists when a kid is employing adults. Right. That's a big psychological problem. And Alice Winter uh, touched on it in his documentary that I think is on HBO Max also about mm-hmm. child stars because Alice Winter was one of them. Mm-hmm. I and, always imagine this, like, do you remember that um, Twilight Zone where the kid could just make anything happen? Like he could just like yes. think it and it would happen and like Hell all of yeah. a sudden he had all the toys and so he had his parents who were living in deathly fear of him like because they're afraid that they were going to totally get, remember yeah. that that's what i think of being a child star must be like i always thought of that as just being an allegory for somebody like a child who smart you know and i was just curious like that's but that's what you're kind of saying right like it's yes it's when you have that situation where the parents are complete like like the olsen twins mm-hmm. where you know the parents are running the company and you know they're employees for all intents and purposes, they are employees and they're answering to their children. When you derive an income from a child, the power imbalance is not, you know, the power balance is there between adults and children for a reason. Your brain is still growing. If you all of a sudden have, you know, if adult brains with absolute power corrupt absolutely, then what do little teeny children brains do with absolute power? They squish if you slap them hard, real hard yeah. on the sides. But really, it's like, they like, squish your head. <laughs> I'm squishing your head. But really, a kid's in the hole. But, but that being said, that's what happens. You know, because why wouldn't a kid do that? Oh, what do you mean? You work for me, bitch. Right. You know, uh, go get me ice cream. Don't right. talk back. Right. Yeah. Oh, you like that house I just bought you? Yeah. Emancipated. Boom. Yeah, emancipated, boom. And you got all these other nefarious adults around them who are just waiting like, you should be emancipated. Like Pepe Le Pew of the entertainment industry. You should be emancipated. <laughs> you should leave your parents. You'll have so much more money. We could work with you more. <laughs> your parents, they're terrible. You know, but really, and if you right. let these people get in your kids' ears, well, that's a problem. And that means you're not, you know, doing your job. You have a job as a parent. So I don't want to, you know, I don't say I don't want to. No, no, I was just curious. No, I, I think that, that you're absolutely <laughs> right. That, that That's just kind of what I want to know. Because, like, I understand, like, the the part, like, being away from the fame and having it. And, you know, there's some of that stuff that's there. But what's more interesting to me is just how how kind of connected they are to reality. And I like I like you say, I think that most of them do work it out. Um, but it's, just, you know, I, I, it's going to be a really interesting show. I highly recommend it. The, the first couple episodes were really great. And I just I wanted to give a shout out to a podcast that, uh, you know, has nothing to do with us, but uh, definitely very interesting. Yeah, we already uh, managed to find some conversation about it all this time. Uh, what I will say is on the other side of it, just real fast, because we have a, oh, no, we don't. About a minute. 
Well, okay, so we have about 30 seconds, but I want to say, on the other side of it, my friend, uh, my first manager, Kathy McComb, she's got two daughters, Heather and Jennifer, raised in the business. Heather was in Coppola's movie, Life Without Zoe. That's how she started. And, uh, you know, she's one of the nicest, beautiful, well-adjusted, still working to this day. And her mom's her manager, and her mom's been everyone's manager, including like Essence Atkins, who's on the Damon Wayans show, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all incredibly well-adjusted. It is about raising. Yep. I love it. That's it. I mean, uh, we'll talk more about Nurse Ratchet, everything else next episode. We got a good one. So, everybody, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, I love you, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>